Thessalonians chapter number 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. And we're going to be looking particularly tonight at what the Scripture tells us concerning the Antichrist. And I don't know how much we'll get through, but I do want to look at several of these verses, that, particularly in the Old Testament, that speak to uh, this particular man and what he would do. We, we see a great deal of the prophecy, and we've looked at some of it as we've kind of gone along in our study, uh, particularly in regards to the tribulation period, what the Scripture says concerning him. Paul gives a great many details here in this particular chapter as he speaks to this uh, Antichrist and what uh, this man would do during his time, uh, during that seven-year period. Um, And Paul probably gives the most, for us, the most details uh, about him here in this this one passage. Uh, John gives quite a few as well in the Revelation. Uh, And uh, he is the most wicked and blasphemous man ever revealed. Uh, For seven years, he's going to exalt himself and magnify himself. And uh, such a sight he will be that most of the world is going to worship this man as God. And that is his purpose. That is his intent is for them to worship him. And we begin reading here in chapter 2. Notice in verse number 1, he says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, is that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, Except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, revealed the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders." With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so we see here this description given of this man called the wicked here, as Paul calls him, the man of sin. We, we noticed uh, on Wednesday uh, concerning the reality that right now uh, the Spirit of God is restraining these events from taking place. The, the, um, he, he says it there that the, 
um, the mystery of iniquity. There in verse number 7, he says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. That's, it's already in our world, uh, this, this spirit uh, of Antichrist. In fact, you can read in 1 John, go over to 1 John chapter 2, and look with me there in verse number 18. 1 John 2 and verse 18. 1 John 2, verse 18. John writes here, he says, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. And then in chapter 4 and verse number 3, I'm sorry, 1 John 4 and verse 3, He says, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. And so the reality is that the the spirit of Antichrist is already here. That behind all of, of this depravity, behind all of the destruction that came by the fall, is that underlying rebellion that is in the heart of man to rebel and to, to, to uh, go against God as spirit of Antichrist. And it is from that that this Antichrist, the man, uh, the wicked is going to come out from that very desire to rebel against God and to turn against Him. And so the spirit of Him is already present in this world. And with God's people gone and the restraints of the Spirit of God being removed, as uh, Paul tells us there in verse 7, And verse 8 there, uh, with that being taken out of the way, those restraints, there's going to be then a clear path for Antichrist to come in, for his revelation there to take place, for him to be revealed. And so the, the spirit is here already, the spirit of Antichrist, but the man himself is not yet revealed. Now... Is he here? I I believe he is. I believe he's already alive. I believe he's on this earth. He may be even in power somewhere even this very day. Um, I I believe we're that close to these end times. I believe we're that close to the coming of our Lord that this man is is probably already in place uh, politically. Uh, Already has a position of power somewhere. Um, But maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe maybe it'll be another hundred years before this these things come to be. I just don't think it will be. I don't I don't see that that's the reality of the time that we are living in today. Uh, there are too many too many of the pointers that the scriptures are showing us about the end times that we can see displayed around us. Uh, so I, I believe we are very clearly in these end days, and so this man is probably indeed alive somewhere uh, on this world today, this very instant. We see a little bit about his character. 
He's called there in verse number 3, the man of sin. The man of sin. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. He's not merely a sinful, wicked man. He is the epitome of sin. He is the very, he is the very example of what sinfulness is. The very example of what wickedness is. This, this is his whole character. This is his makeup, you see. And he is, he is going to uh, present himself in a way that he's going to mask enough of that that he's going to appear to this world as the answer for their problems. He's called it there in verse 3 as well, the son of perdition. The son of perdition. He's characterized here as the Son of the devil himself. That's what he's characterized as. He is considered the offspring of Satan. And this, this title was also used for someone else. The title was used for Judas Iscariot, the betrayer of the Lord. And for that reason, A.W. Pink believes that, which I don't think that's the case, but he believes that Judas is going to be brought back as the Antichrist. Or he believed that, that it would be, that he would be resurrected to do that, to do that work. I don't, I don't think that's the case. I don't, I don't believe that's, that was kind of a, kind of an odd thing, I guess, to put together. But that's, that's what he put together in, in his thinking in regards to this. I believe it's, I don't believe it's Judas. I believe it's, it'll be another man by, by far, but he is given the same title. Uh, because of the rebellion that is in his heart against the God of glory. Um, verse 8, uh, he says, and, the, and, uh, and then shall that wicked, there is called the wicked, uh, he is the, the culmination of satanic and human lawlessness in this world and in this creation for that matter. Hold your place here in, in 2 Thessalonians. Go back with me to Psalms. The book of Psalms, chapter number 10. Psalms, chapter number 10. And verse number 2. Down through verse number 5. Psalm 10, verse 2, down through verse number 5. The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire, and blesseth the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. His ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far above out of the sight. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. Verse 6, he says, He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be 
in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. This, this Here, David, of course, is writing concerning what the wicked in general, I believe he's talking about, do here. And this is the, this is the epitome of this man. This is, this is exactly the character of this individual that's being described for us here as Antichrist. He's the culmination of the, these wickednesses. In Psalm chapter 5 and verse number 6, He's called here the bloody and deceitful man. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord shall abhor the bloody and deceitful man. He's a man of the earth, Psalm 10 and verse 18. He's a mighty man, Psalm 52 and verse number 1. He is the enemy, Psalm 55 and verse number 3. He is the adversary, Psalm 74, verses 8 through 10. Psalm 110 and verse number 6, he's the head over many countries. Psalm 140 and verse number 1, he is a violent man. A violent man. He is called in Isaiah 16, verse 4 and 5, a spoiler. A spoiler. In Ezekiel 21, he is the profane and wicked prince of Israel. The profane and wicked prince of Israel. In Daniel 7, verse number 18, he is called the little horn. Daniel 7, verse number 18. Daniel's got quite a bit of information about him in these prophecies. Uh, beginning in chapter 7 on through basically the end of the book there in chapter 12. Particularly chapter 12. Uh, 10 and 12, I should say. Um, there chapter 7, verse 18. It says, but the saints of the Most High... No, it's not verse 18. Let's see. I've got the wrong verse written down, apparently. Uh, let's just start up at verse 13. We'll read down through here. It says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought Him near before Him. And there was given Him dominion and glory in the kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, a kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near to one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things these great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured, break in pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the others 
which came up, and before whom three fell, even that horn that had eyes, and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows, I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. And so that's, that's that horn. He's, he's that little horn that sprang up of the three that fell. Those ten kings of them, three of them fell, and this little horn sprang up among them. This is that Antichrist that will have this power given him. And he is called the prince that shall come in chapter 9 of Daniel in verse number 26 and 27 as he speaks uh, to uh, this uh, time frame, what he's going to do when he comes and making the, the uh, peace treaty, if you will, with Israel for that seven year period. Uh, it says, verse 26, and after three score in two weeks, shall Messiah be cut off and not for himself and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with the flood and unto the end the war desolations are determined. And so this is the, the, the prince of the people, uh, or the people rather of the prince that shall come. They are going to destroy the city and the sanctuary. That would be probably Rome is what's being in reference to there. When Rome destroyed the city in 70 AD, that is the people of the prince that shall come. His coming is yet future during the tribulation period. And and that's what he goes on to describe for us there in verse 27 is that 70th week in which he will make that covenant with Israel. And in the middle of that week, he's going to break that covenant and have and says that uh, and and for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. He is that prince that shall come. His coming is yet future. He is called the vile person in Daniel chapter eleven, the willful king. In Daniel 11.36, he is the idle shepherd that's spoken of in Zechariah chapter 11, verse 16 and 17. And then in Revelation 13, he is called the beast. Simply the beast. Isaiah chapter 30. Go there with me. Isaiah chapter number 30. Verse number 27, uh, down to verse, we'll read down through verse 31 here. Isaiah 27, Isaiah 30, verse 27, excuse me. Isaiah 30, verse number 27. It says, Behold, the name of the Lord cometh from far, burning with his anger. And the burden thereof is heavy. His lips are full of indignation and his tongue as a devouring fire. And his breath as an overflowing stream shall reach to the midst 
of the net to sift the nations with the sieve of vanity, and there shall be a bridle in the jaws of the people, causing them to err. It's like they'll be drawn into the wickedness and they can't, they can't even turn from it. They don't have any control over themselves. They're just wholly given to it. Even though it doesn't make sense, maybe, even in their own mind, they're still going to be just drawn to it. Just as you would use that, that bit in the horse's mouth to move it wherever you want it to go. It says there in verse 29, Ye shall have a song as in the night when the holy solemnity is kept, and gladness of heart as when one goeth with a pot to come into the mountain of the Lord to the mighty one of Israel. There's going to be peace for His people. There's going, to be, there's going to be comfort knowing their Deliverer is come or their Deliverer is near. In verse 30 he goes on to say, And the Lord shall cause, the Lord shall cause His glorious voice to be heard and shall show the lighting down of His arm with the indignation of His anger and with the flame of the devouring fire with scattering and tempest and hailstones for through the voice of the Lord shall the Assyrian be beaten down, which smote with a rod. So here he is called the Assyrian. The Assyrian. He's the one that smote with the rod, is, is fighting against the, the, the saints of God. And so he's called the Assyrian here. Daniel chapter 9, verse number 26 again. We just... Looked over that quickly. Daniel 9, verse 26. It says, after, after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. So we have, we call the Assyrian in chapter 30 there of Isaiah. It alludes to the fact that he is from the Roman Empire anyway. Uh, there according to verse number 26. And we read in Daniel chapter 11... Verse number 37. Daniel 11 and verse number 37. It says, Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, which tells me he's probably Jew. So this guy's going to be coming from all over the place apparently. <laughs> There's, there is the, he is likened unto these, but this tells me here that he is most likely a Jew, at least part Jew, for, because one, he's going to not regard the God of his fathers, and so he's not going to not going to worship the God of heaven. But also, there's no other way the Jews are going to accept him as Messiah, but he be a Jew. So we we know he's likely going to be a Jew, being that being the case. And it also goes on to tell us that he'll not regard the, uh, the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women. 
So most believe that means he's probably also a homosexual. That that's going to be his proclivity there. Um, and so this, this which uh, fits right well with our society in our day. Uh, but it says, Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. So he's going to declare himself God, uh, which is exactly what the Scriptures tell us otherwise. And so this, this man is a wicked, wicked man. A wicked, wicked man. His desire, we're told in verse 4 of 2 Thessalonians 2, we find his desire here, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's his desire. To be worshipped as God. To be known as God. To call Himself God. That is His purpose. That is His intention. To have all the world worship Him. He and the dragon that is. And this will be, of course, put forward by the false prophet as he uh, uh, recruits. If that would be a word to use there to, for the world to worship Him. He's going to be an intellectual genius. At least he's going to seem that way to the world. Ezekiel 28 and verse number 3. Ezekiel 28 verse number 3. It says, Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can hide from thee. Thou art wiser than Daniel. There's no secret that they can hide from thee. He's to be an intellectual genius. He's going to be a man of eloquence. Daniel tells us there in Daniel chapter 7 and verse number 20. uh, And the ten horns that were in his head and of the other which came up and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellow. He's going to be a man of eloquence to this world. John says of him there in John, I'm sorry, Revelation 13 and verse number 2. Revelation 13 and verse 2. He says, And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of the bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. A man of eloquence. He's going to be an economic genius as well. Daniel 8 and verse number 25 says of him, And though his policy also... And through, rather, his policy also, he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. And so it it tells here of his economic genius, he's going to cause craft to prosper. Revelation 13 again in verse 1 and verse 2 
we read of his political genius. As John says, I stood and upon the sand of the sea and saw beasts rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the names of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet were feet of the bear, we just read that. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. In verse 3 it says, And I saw one of the heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And so he's going to receive some kind of injury, apparently. And in that injury, he's going to be apparently miraculously healed. And in that healing, the world is going to wonder after him. The world's going to see this done, and they're going, they're going to wonder that he must be a god then if he can survive that. If he can live through that. Or mainly, or probably the case, he's going to appear to be resurrected. And all, he's, he's been brought back from the dead. If he's been brought back, oh, he's got to be God. And that's that he's he's got he's going to be able to fool the masses in believing his lie. They're going to fall for it, hook, line, and sinker. It is his desire to be worshipped as God. And his purpose, of course, to bring about the abomination of desolation. As we talked about on a couple of weeks ago there, Matthew 24, the Lord calls the tribulation period that very thing, the abomination of desolation. Revelation 13, verse 4, down through verse number 6, it says, And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? who is able to make war with him. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. So there's not, there's not going to be any fooling at this point. This is the three and a half year mark. He's going to be given 42 more months from this point. And there's not going to be, there's not going to be any secretiveness about this guy's purpose. He's, he's declaring himself plainly before the world. And the world is wondering after him. This must be the real God. This must be the truth. We've seen it with our own eyes, they say. Look what he's done. Look how great this guy is. Who can make war against him? This, this has got to be the one that we've been looking for. And the reality is, he is insane. He is blasphemous. He is hated of God. And his purpose is to profane the name of God and to destroy the people of God. In 2 Thessalonians in verse 9 there, 
Second Thessalonians in verse number nine, chapter two and verse nine. We read there of his power and his deception. It says, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. With all power and signs and lying wonders. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Had people tell me before, well, you know what? That all sounds right. I mean, it sounds, what you're telling me about these end times, what you're telling me about my need for Christ sounds right. I believe you're you're telling me the truth. I believe you're right. But what I'm going to do is, I'm going to wait till these things happen. And then when these things happen and I see it myself, and I see this fellow Antichrist, and I see the truth, then I'll believe. When I see it then, then I'm going to believe the gospel. Even if they had that power, even if they had that ability to believe when they wanted to believe, even if they had that ability, the Bible is clear here that God's going to send them strong delusions that they're going to believe the lie of Antichrist. And I always go to this verse and show them this verse and tell them, no, you won't either. You're not going to believe when he comes either. You're going to believe the lie, just like the rest of the world does. For God will send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. He receives his power from Satan. He receives his his authority from Satan. It'll be from that authority, that power that he'll be operating in. And this will be a, this will clearly be a power that the world has not seen. And it'll 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 impress the world when they see the power that he has. And so based upon the very fact that he has the power, well, then he must be God if he's got power. That's all he sees. They'll see that power, believe that that that's the case, and he is indeed uh, God himself. And this power will extend to all the earth. In Revelation 13, John tells us there in verse 7 and verse 8 concerning him. John 13, I'm sorry, Revelation 13 Verse 7 and 8, And it was given to, unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of the, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, they will follow this Antichrist as God. It's that simple. 
those whose names are not written in will follow this Antichrist. We'll believe him as God. He is aided by the false prophet, as we looked a little bit at on Wednesday, that verse 13 down through verse number 15 of Revelation 13. Um, he's going to make fire come down from heaven. He's going to do wonders and miracles and signs before them that they're going to believe uh, that He is telling them the truth. Uh, And He tells us there in verse 15 of Revelation 13, And He had power to give life unto the image of the beast, and the image of the beast should, that the image of the beast should speak, both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So they're going to have an image to the beast, and they're going to make that image speak. And now with robotics and AI, it's nothing for that to be imagined in our day and time. This is probably in John's day, it probably uh, sounded a lot uh more impressive maybe than it than it will be, but the world's going to believe it that it's the image has come alive. It's I mean, we know we know the scientific abilities now that would make such a thing happen, but they're going to make it look like it is truly the power of God, and the world's going to believe it. They're going to believe that that's that's exactly what's taking place there. That this image would speak. And those that he's going to give, be given that power, that those that do not worship the beast should be killed. He will deceive the multitudes. Verse uh, 4, it says of chapter 13, says, and they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. They worshipped the beast, saying, who was like unto the beast? Who was able to make war with him? He will deceive them with these lines and wonders and these signs that he will show before them, and they will believe these things. What a, what a contrast. What a contrast to the Lord Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What a contrast. He is the truth. And this Antichrist and this false prophet are going to do all they can with their lives to try to prove themselves to be something they are not. Verse 8 of 1 Thessalonians 2, we see his demise here. Verse 8, 1 Thessalonians 2. Then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. This sin-maddened world will headlong follow this madman to the very end. 
And the Antichrist will lead the kings of the earth against the true king, that is Christ Jesus. And the saints of God at Armageddon, uh, but as we've already read and looked at there in Revelation 19, we see there our Lord's coming and His confrontation with this Antichrist. And He is proven out very quickly to be a false god when He comes into the presence of the true and living God. Revelation 19, verse number 11, John said, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him, upon him, was called faithful and true, and in righteousness, righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And that's us, by the way, as we've already discussed what's told to us there in verse 8 of the same passage. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress, the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken. <laughs> and with him, the false prophet. Not much of a fight, is there? He's just taken. And with him, the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. That is the demise of the Antichrist. He and the false prophet receive their judgment even before their master does. They receive their judgment even before their master does. They are cast into the lake of fire. The one that the world wonders at. The one that the world will accept as God. The one that the world will worship after. Is proven 
in just a moment to be a liar, to be a false god, to be a, a wicked man simply at the presence of the Most High God. It will be made very clear very quickly. He is not who He claimed to be. And they will then see the true King. And the Bible tells us that the world will run to the rocks and the mountains and cry for the mountains to fall on them instead of standing in the presence of this King, Christ Jesus our Lord. Quite a contrast from that wicked one that they will be following during that time. All right, let's all stand. We'll be dismissed.